welcome to a very special edition of Sportball. I'm your boy, Sam. With me, as always, are my other boys, Seth and Kyle. Boys, gentlemen, how are we? I'm feeling good. Feeling boy, good. the end. And this Get out. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Sipping man's, on a bird. Got one on never deck. been whiter. Uh, Celtics had a big win today. I just told Sam before we started recording, Taco Fall had a one-on-one against Mo Bamba, two of the largest, longest men in the league. And wow. I don't know if we've proven longest. Well, <laughs> I, I especially like Draymond's dick pics? Come on. <laughs> uh, Taco gave him the old up and under move, so that was nice to see. That is nice to see. Mo Bamba more problems, I always say, so. Truly. Deafening silence. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a very fun pod, I think, guys. Um, so we pushed it uh, back a week, which our loyal listeners were upset about. But I kind of papered over the situation by posting a picture of Kyle and sunglasses. So I feel like Your all's well that ends well. <laughs> My sunglasses. You asked if I knew where they were. I sent that to you and said I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so today we're going to start with NFL draft reaction, which is why we delayed a week so we could really react to the, the NFL draft. And then we'll finish off with our NBA end of season awards, which as we know, we all give out at the end of every year. We don't have a vote. It doesn't matter at all. So look forward to that. So let's start off with the NFL draft voice. And, um, I think we have to start with Justin Fields going to the bears. And I simply wrote in the outline. Kyle and I have orgasm on air, so let's just go ahead and <laughs> push I mean, forward that. <laughs> they, they heard my cries over the offseason about how if the Bears don't get a quarterback, I was out. I was denouncing my fandom, and I was going to be, you know, there was a couple teams in the mix. The Titans were up there. Um, the Cardinals. The Cardinals were up there, yeah, of course. Um, so they heard me and they decided to do the best thing this franchise maybe has ever done in trading up for what is the second best quarterback prospect in this draft who, for whatever reason, fell all the way to the 11th pick. Um, I mean, it's just really crazy to even think about the fact that Fields was the fourth quarterback drafted when Going into the season, he was expected, you know, to be hands down the number two pick. And it's not like he had a bad season. He had, you know, one of the one of the best quarterback seasons for, you know, for a shortened season, obviously. But that Ohio State quarterback has had. Right. So he destroyed Clemson and Trevor Lawrence in their game that they played against each other, just completely outproduced them. And that if you want to take that one sample game, um, man, it just feels good finally to, to be a bears fan again. Yeah. You know, some people say pace made this move because he knew they needed a quarterback because he wanted to make up for Mitch, but really it's because he heard Kyle say that he was thinking about switching fandom and that's where he draws the line. I sent him letters. (laughs) Uh, I had a voodoo doll too. I was pricking every night. Um, listen, I felt it. 
I have not been this excited about the Bears since the Super Bowl year. And I was telling Seth, this is the analogy I gave Seth because he was kind of like, this may be premature celebration. I said, maybe, but, you know, we haven't had a good quarterback in 40 years. Like Jay Cutler was by far the best statistical one, but he never led us to the promised land. So it's like the analogy I gave him was it's like you're wandering in the desert for 40 years and then you see an oasis in the distance. And you're like, well, it might be a mirage, but I might as well celebrate the fact that there could be oasis, you know, right there in front of me. So for now I'm celebrating like it is the cho- like he is the chosen one while I can. And, <laughs> and I it's hope he does to turn into that. Stepping into like a great situation too, with an established alpha wide receiver uh, in his prime, that's yeah. never had a good quarterback throwing him the ball. And he's put up, you know, top 10, top 12 receiver performances with some of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, I think and he has like has, 12 most yards or something since yeah. he's been in the league, and the best quarterback he's played with is maybe Nick Foles. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's like how do you decide if it was Nick Foles or Blake Bortles or Mitch Trubisky? Right. <laughs> so now he has someone, someone that's accurate, can throw a deep pass accurately, can hit tight windows. You got a, you know – an ascending second year player in Darnell Mooney who had so many wide open looks last year that not a single quarterback could complete a pass on. He could have led the league probably in like 40 yard plus touchdown receptions last year, but not a single throw was within five yards of him anytime. It reminds Uh, me of bird on the Patriots too. Those two were just, they were just sprinting down the field and their quarterbacks couldn't throw to them. (laughs) But yeah, I think a good looking young tight end in Komet too. So and yeah, you know, obviously I, still yeah. got Jimmy Graham there, whatever Jimmy Graham is these days. I mean, he's a red, zone red target. Zone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think, and what makes it like more appealing to me is that in 2017, when we traded up for Mitch, A, it felt like we didn't have to trade up for him. And not, B, yeah. it felt like we traded up for like the fourth best quarterback and picked him first out of any of the quarterbacks. This year, it feels like we traded up because the second best quarterback happened to fall to the fourth best quarterback being Dragon, you know? So it, it feels like we got better value at least in this move, right? Way better value. And like, I couldn't tell you the last time that the bears had a draft and the consensus around all of, you know, NFL world was that the bears had an a plus draft grade, right? It's like yeah. everything, every year is like a C maybe at best. Yeah. But it's like, the Bears, to some, had the best draft of the of the year. It's funny, Top which kind of worries me. I was reading this post that had all the grades from everywhere in one place, and we we had the best GPA at three point nine nine. Everyone gave yeah. us an A plus. Like that almost worries me that everyone is missing something. But I made a bet with Seth actually uh, about if Fields would make an All Pro team in his career, Just and I gave up. him. I gave him plus 450 on it. So if he makes an all pro team, I get $445. So instead of 450, I get $45. And then if he doesn't, Seth gets 10. So everyone be following along with that, please, our listeners. Seth, do you feel confident in that, bud? I mean, I feel confident just because it's like, what, what did we decide? There's all these lists of all pro, but it's like one or two quarterbacks a year. So right. it's, to make it um and i just think 
I mean, if I were a Bears fan, I would be just as excited. Or if the Vikings had traded up to get Justin Fields, like I would, I'm sure, be just as excited and enthusiastic. As Actually, I read an article today saying that the Vikings also offered to trade up with the Giants, but the Bears just ended up offering more. Yeah. Um, so, but I also just would say, like, from a more objective outsider perspective, like, kind of like you said, Sam, it's it could be a mirage. It's like history tells us first round quarterbacks are at best 50 50 they pan out as you would want sometimes worse yeah so it's like who knows it's it's really a crapshoot even when you're like the best talent evaluators that we have in the game which mean Kyle are so right and compare that to me who I don't think I've ever seen Justin Fields play a game so who am I to say how well the amount of tape I've watched of Justin Fields since we drafted him. It's as if I'm a scout now. <laughs> I've been watching Justin Fields for at least like the last three years because he was in the, uh, the Netflix um, documentary where they document the, the top high school quarterbacks uh, in their senior year. Mm-hmm. He was outstanding in high school, obviously translated to college, outstanding in college. So to, you know, I, have the Bears ever had a, a five-star quarterback on their roster? I don't think so. I don't what think is Mitch, a zero-star? <laughs> Mitch was probably at best three. But we Listen, had to trade up to get him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, someone hose me and Kyle down, please. Yeah, the only other thing I'd say is um, it was interesting, like Kyle was talking about, you know, he was consensus second pick overall for a while. And then – since the season ended like talent evaluators are doing their thing looking over tape again uh all that kind of stuff and he fell down to four now maybe that's a case of people overthinking it and whatever and maybe it's a case of people found flaws in his game that you didn't notice on the first look um and maybe none of that matters and it's all just luck of the draw uh (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, to see. certainly any of those top five quarterbacks, I think have a good chance to be great, but you just never know with quarterbacks in the first round. Right. Mark Sanchez went on uh, Pat McAfee's podcast, like the day or two after the draft and um, was talking about, there's this like sports psychologist that does these um, tests. He has like, he's tested, I think like 6,200 or almost 7,000, um like just top tier athletes from all sports male female everything across the board and it measures like how fast you can process information and then spit out that same information so like how fast it takes you to learn it and then memorize it and then recite it essentially Justin Fields scored higher than any athlete he's ever ever tested he scored like a 730 something Mahomes scored a 708 and Josh Allen scored like a 702 or something. So. Incredible. I mean, at this point, if we don't win a Super Bowl in the next five years, disappointment. So you heard it here first. <laughs> All right. We got to move on because we already spent like 12 minutes on Justin Fields, which was, I would say an hour too, too short, but there are other, other picks we had to talk about. Um, Trey Lance ended up going to the Niners. 
we thought perhaps all along it was going to be Mac Jones, but ended up being Trey instead. Uh, are you guys surprised that they took Trey? And do you think it's the right decision? It seems to me, my limited knowledge, Trey is a like high risk, high reward play for them compared to Mac. Mm-hmm. So he's a little bit more raw, a little bit more uh, potential. Um, and in, that's why I think they'll keep Jimmy G around for another year and have yeah. him kind of learn the ropes a little bit. Um, I think this pick was most notable and most exciting for me because Trey Lance went to uh, grew up in Marshall, Minnesota, went to Marshall Senior High School, which was where my dad grew up. So Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, hometown kid for the Quam family. I'm going to root for him now. Root for him to fail. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, thoughts? They probably keep Jimmy, right? They're definitely going to keep Jimmy. I mean, they've been saying it all along. And even just this week in their press conferences, they've indicated that they're keeping Jimmy, that they're – comfortable not starting Lance right away and allowing him, you know, to take however long it needs to essentially understand the system. Cause as we know, Shanahan has one of the most, um, one of the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, intricate systems in the NFL. So, uh, but that was another reason they drafted him was they thought that, you know, through their interviews and stuff that, um, they were just really impressed with, with obviously everything uh, in terms of how he would be able to integrate into the system. Um, you know, I, I feel like if they would have drafted Mac Jones, they would have just been getting a younger version of Jimmy Garoppolo, essentially with the not as much, not as many accolades, right? And not as attractive. Not as attractive. Um, but obviously Trey Lance, too, has a, a very um, – very good dual threat capability too. Like he, he's mm-hmm. a, he's a good runner. He's not the type of quarterback that just runs at the first sight of pressure either. Like he's not afraid to stand in the pocket if he needs to um, throws a crazy deep ball, um, which is going to be fantastic to see, you know, with, with the talent surrounding him in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think he starts, you know, game one, but I do think we see him starting by like halfway through the, through the season. And, you know, if he's going to reach his potential, I have high hopes that he would understand him, you know, exactly. more than would, uh, and another right. organization. So speaking of who the Niners didn't pick at three, Mac Jones ended up falling to 15 to the Patriots. Um, kind of seems like, like Seth was saying, a higher floor guy, really good in the pocket. Um, just a lot of smarts, but not the athleticism that some of these other quarterbacks have. So how good do you guys think he will be? I, I almost feel like if he's even fine, he's not great over Cam and the Pats have a good chance to get a wild card. You guys feel that way? Yeah, I mean, he's an upgrade over Cam as long as he doesn't, like, double hop a pass to his receivers where you can't tell if he's throwing a pass or spiking the ball. Yeah. Uh, so in that sense, I think – it'll be great for the Pats. Um, and I think overall they have a, you know, pretty solid supporting cast. And I think the Pats. a lot of people have been talking about, yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago they had a name. They're starting wide receivers. League. One of them. Yeah. He's definitely not uh, going to go <laughs> wide receivers that are as good. Nice. 
Um, <laughs> people have been making jokes. He's going to look around and be like, these aren't the receivers nearly as good as what I had last year at Alabama. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's true for sure. But they're but defense good. Defense, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you have Belichick. So I imagine they'll be okay. I don't think they'll be contenders next year. And he right. just needs to be Who a knows, game manager, but... essentially. Yeah. Like he, he, I don't think he's not going to be relied on, right? To, yeah. To and do just everything like the Bears. That these other quarterbacks are going to be expected to do because you can't do that. Right. And just like the Bears, they got good value on him, like 15th pick. Yeah. Didn't have to give up too much capital. You know, it's, they didn't yeah. have to move they at didn't all. Trade at all. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder, I just thought of this now, but I wonder even when Matt plays, if they bring Cam in the goal line just to kind of. I don't think Matt's going to start. They already said that Cam's are starting quarterback. No, not, I don't know if he'll start at the beginning of the year, but I can't imagine they watch Cam bounce passes for that long before bringing him in. Let's talk about the receivers taken in this draft. We had um, we'll have, we had Pitts to the Falcons. I'm including him in receivers because he's a pass he catcher. as a receiver. Mm-hmm. We had Jamar Chase to the Bengals, uh, reuniting with his boy, Joe Burrow. We had Waddle to Miami, reuniting with his boy, Tua. We had Devontae Smith to the Eagles, reuniting with yet another of his boys in Jalen Hurts. Everyone's reuniting. Yeah, right? Um, So this is a great crop of receivers, which we always knew it would be. Um, Kyle, who, if you had to bet your life on one of these receivers, let's take Pitts out of it because I think we all think – Yeah, I think we all think Pitts is going to be great. If you had to bet your life on which receiver has the best career, who are you betting on? It's Jamar Chase, hands down. He's one of the best wide receiver prospects uh, that we've ever seen. He's the best wide receiver prospect since, like, Julio Jones, who was the last, like, consensus, hands down, number one, top five wide receiver pick in the draft. And that turned out great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for real. I think I agree with you. Seth, do you agree with that? Yeah, again, I'm just going off of what people have told me. I never watched the kid play other than maybe one game. So He's a kid now. Are we say. that old that we should be calling these guys kids? They're younger than us. Yeah, I guess so. We're over the hill. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think I will. Um, I, think, I, I, think I will just say I think Devontae Smith. I think Devontae Smith, like, doesn't have as much of the, like, NFL body. Um a little bit smaller, but I like the Steve Smith comparison there for him and just the numbers that he racked up uh, in college at Alabama were ridiculous. So, I mean, I think Smith and Waddle both from Alabama, I think they're going to. So, that's it. the thing, too, is like, yes, Smith was the first wide receiver to win the Heisman, but at the same time, I, I would like say there was an 85% chance that. If Jalen Waddle didn't get injured three games into the season, Waddle would have outproduced Devontae. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they're both they're both elite. I mean, like yeah, people are I, just making these comparisons, but I think they're both going to have successful careers. It's really interesting too. There's like a lot of people that either think Devonta Smith is really a great receiver. There's a lot of people that think he's going to be a major bust in the NFL, and it really just is all around his size and his weight and you know he's one of the the thinnest wide receivers right that's ever been drafted that high especially um but we saw it in college that didn't affect him at all um so the thing is it's like you're betting on him 
to essentially be like a statistical outlier in, in terms of comparing yeah. him to other wide receivers that are, you know, have similar stature and size and BMI and whatnot to him. But it's like, based on what we've seen in a year and a half, two years at Alabama, it's a good bet to make still that he's that outlier wide receiver. Right. Yeah. So. I know it's such an interesting test case, right? Like if I, if, I just fast forwarded to five years and I look around and he's one of the best receivers in the league. I wouldn't be surprised, but if I look around and he's like the next Marquise Brown, just not that productive, you know, would I be surprised either? No. Right. Um, but I would lean on him being productive. That's, that's where I would lean, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. Let's hit running backs real quick. Um, Najee Harris to the Steelers, which I feel like we all saw coming somehow. And Travis Ntn to the Jags, which was a little surprising. Weird. And then I would include also our boy Javante Williams ending up in Denver, which was a shame in my mind since Melvin's already there. But maybe Melvin's out the door. We'll see. Um, so how do you guys feel about the way these landed? I feel like the offensive line is a real problem in Pittsburgh. So until that gets shored up, I'm not sure Najee looks great. And then we get Urban Meyer coming out and saying Travis Ntn is only a third down back for the Jaguars. It's like, oh, cool. So you <laughs> drafted a running back in the in the first round that's only playing at one down for you so i don't know i have qualms about all the situations here really i think that's just coach speak probably yeah i think it is too but still to you know lawrence really was a a no-brainer pick but after that the jaguars maybe had one of the worst drafts i've ever seen um (laughs) you know you had an undrafted free agent running back that had the best season of an undrafted free agent running back ever in the NFL last year. Yeah. And then I get it. There's new, you know, get a new regime in, but to just waste a top, you know, a first round pick on another running back just so they could split time. Doesn't seem like the greatest use of that high of draft capital when yeah, you know, there were still, there's still a ton of wide receivers on the board. There's, you know, everyone can use better offensive line help or especially for the Jaguars defensive help, right? There's so many yeah. different things they could have done to improve yeah. their team overall and waste the pick to yeah. on a player. That's probably going to be on the field 50 to 60% of snaps. Well, and the thing is like, that's the interesting thing to me about the James Robinson case. It seems like in the NFL, it's so weird. It's like, if you don't have the pedigree, they don't like trust you, you know, they won't hand over the starting role to you. Like, you know I'm saying? Like this happens all the time where some undrafted or low draft pick player does well. And they're like, yeah, well, he didn't have the pedigree coming out of college. So let's see if we can snag a first round pick to replace him. Right. Doesn't it seem that way. And it's like, you already have a guy that's producing. I don't understand, you know, just because maybe you missed on him in the draft doesn't mean he's still not going to be a productive player. You just saw it happen, you know? Yeah, makes no sense. And to talk about the the Najee Harris um, landing spot, the the Steelers did use two or three of their next picks on offensive line help. And I mean, we just saw it this offseason too. Kansas City, you know, got demolished in the Super Bowl because of their offensive line, and they turned around within the last month. And based on you know PFF grades or whatever you want to use turned one of their what was it, like the bottom six offensive line in the NFL into what should be a top six offensive line in the NFL. So it's, 
it's not, you know, it's not hard to change. It's just a matter of, you know, the team doing right. what's right and making those trades when, when fit. So I, I, I'm not yeah. worried about Najee. He's, he's going to step into Pittsburgh and immediately touch the ball 20 plus times a game. There's no doubt about it, especially with Ben can't throw down, you know, more than 15 yards down the field anymore. Ben. It seems like it's over for him, but he would retire. So they said, fine, you can come back. <laughs> uh, all right. Any other miscellaneous thoughts before we get to the, the roasting of Aaron Rodgers? Maybe the, the roasting of Gutenkeist, um, but <laughs> just uh, keep your eyes on Rashad Bateman. You know, I do like him a lot. And uh, there was a lot of talk as to whether he would be a round one pick. Definitely had the pedigree. Uh, he's a phenomenal player. You know, I think he went overlooked probably to some because he played at Minnesota. And, you know, how often does Minnesota turn out NFL players? Not very often. Yeah, the often, whole state but... of Minnesota is ass. <laughs> there you go. Lawrence Maroney. Lawrence <laughs> Maroney, baby. <laughs> but, no, I love, I love Rashad Bateman. Um, and I think, you know, I was – pessimistic at first due to him landing with Baltimore because of you know what uh how many passes did Lamar Jackson attempt last year it was like 350 pass attempts I think it was last in the league um but the thing is is like Baltimore is one of the smarter you know teams and has one of the smarter front offices in the league especially in terms of like using analytics and stuff and that was one of the big reasons that they decided to to go with Bateman was because of the, you know, he could play on the outside. He could play in the slot. He really could step in immediately and kind of play the alpha wide receiver role that Lamar hasn't really had anyone to rely on um, yeah. since he's been there. I actually like the the landing spot for him quite a bit because they've been starved for a big right receiver. We just mentioned Marquise Brown. He's a little guy and hasn't, hasn't, he's overtaxed as, as a number one wide receiver Marquise is and, they brought in Des Bryant. That's how desperate they were to get that big body in there. And he actually, right. he actually seemed like critical for them at times, you mm-hmm. know, in those short yardage uh, situations, just getting his body out there. But so I think he has a chance to be just really efficient and produce on, le- on less volume than other wide receivers. So I, I'm kind of bullish on how he'll look for them. Let's uh, let's talk about the Aaron Rodgers saga. So Aaron uh, on draft day, let it leak that he said he does not want to come back to the Green Bay Packers. I mean, he clearly did it on draft day to get the most play in the media he could. Um, he has threatened to retire and host Jeopardy. Um, although I think that's not, I know he wants to, but I'm not sure how realistic that option is for him, but he could certainly I'm do pretty whatever sure it's a very realistic op- uh, uh, <laughs> opportunity I mean, for him. It's one of the, he's one of the people considered, but I have, strong doubts he's going to win the job but i mean he could do whatever he wants he could host another game show if he wants doesn't matter um so there's been talk of would they trade him denver has been the one team highly rumored uh seth do you think he gets traded or how do you think the situation plays out well everything keeps saying that he's really is serious about not playing for the packers again so ultimately i think they'll probably trade him. Maybe there'll be like some kind of holdout situation early in the year. Cause I don't think the Packers really want to trade him. 
Um, I just don't really get like what the Packers did wrong in this whole situation and why he's so. They upset. haven't drafted like, maybe... a wide receiver in the first or second round of an NFL draft in like the last six years. <laughs> maybe that's... who cares? They have he has the best wide receiver in the league. <laughs> right. You know? But I mean, there's only so much one person can do. Yeah, I mean, they could have been more aggressive drafting offensive players, but he has one of the best offensive lines in the league. He has the best receiver in the league. His defense was pretty good. He was one his coach sucks. His GM sucks, though. So I think his coach is good. I mean, I, I think we had this conversation <laughs> for him. I think it's probably not as much football situation because you're not going to get a much better football situation. It must no, be personal football situations. <laughs> it must. I, to he has me, one. He has one receiving option. Robert Tunyon would be nothing. Robert if Aaron Rodgers wasn't there, right? He if Aaron Rodgers is gone, he's he's a replacement level tight end, essentially. I think uh, it just makes no sense. Like last year, you had a prime opportunity to add a top tier receiver on the other side of Devonte Adams, and you decided to go with a backup quarterback without even letting your hall of fame bound quarterback know that you were doing it like he's not a part of any of the decisions in there and that's right, not and that's, the way that's the bigger thing too a hall of fame quarterback should be treated well i think more than anything more than the football fit what i'm trying to say is i think he's not happy there personally and doesn't he's not happy going to work anymore right that's what it seems like and shailene Woodley doesn't that. want to stay in you know negative 30 degree wisconsin you know in the during the season. I mean, she doesn't have to stay there that much. Like, he's not there that often. <laughs> yeah, it's really a small part of the year. But yeah, maybe that's part of it where he just doesn't really want to spend that much time in Green Bay anymore. Yeah. And he just doesn't want to say that to like alienate the fan base. And it maybe would... it's a, a personality thing. Um, I just think it's a little bit like over dramatic to hold a grudge against a team for drafting a quarterback to be your successor and maybe they didn't talk to him about it because they didn't know he was going to be available at that point or they just the guy they had targeted wasn't expected to be a first round pick that's why (laughs) i mean i think ultimately it's like i'm not there i have no idea what's going on maybe their whole management are all dicks and it completely makes sense why he wants out i'm just saying like from an outside perspective i think there's a lot of franchises that seem like they're run worse than the Packers are. And he has a pretty decent situation. Um, but his reports, yeah, ultimately he doesn't like going to work and he wants to change. So let's see what happens. Reports that came out today that he refers to his GM Gutenkeis as Jerry Krause. So it's really a shot to the Bulls fans. <laughs> that, that's uh, any uh, indication of how he feels about his management, uh, I think that's that's the best way to explain it. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we all know, Kyle thinks Aaron Rodgers is ass, so they might as well trade him, right? <laughs> he's definitely ass when he's on the Packers. That being said, Robert Tunyon would be a below-level replacement <laughs> tight end if Aaron Rodgers wasn't there. So I'm not sure <laughs> how that connects. This is true. I was just saying, like, he, he brings up, you know, all the, the skilled players that are around him, right? Like – Devontae wouldn't have had that type of season if Aaron Rodgers wasn't throwing him the ball. Seems so, remarkable that a player whose ass could be able to do that. I don't understand. Kyle's doing a 360 right now. Wait, that would be 
360 would end up in the same place you started. Oh, 180, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fans know that Kyle hates Aaron Rodgers and says he's ass half the time. I mean, he ranked him a tier below us in our QB rankings. The receipts are right there. That's just one of my sticks. I, I assumed you guys knew that at this point, but. <laughs> That's what keeps the Kyle... listeners coming back. <laughs> Anytime Kyle's proven wrong or wants to change his mind, he says it's one of his sticks. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not proven wrong. He just <laughs> says, I do, I do a lot of hot I'm takes not, and I get 50% of them right. I'm not changing my mind either. <laughs> it's the situation was the reason I said that Aaron Rodgers is ass. Okay, but when we did the tiers, you didn't rank Russell Wilson low. You always talk about how terrible the Seahawks situation is, but you admit he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So how is that different for the Packers? Because he plays for the Packers, and I'm a Bears fan. Now the truth comes out. <laughs> okay, now it, it's beginning to appear. All right, now that we've eviscerated Kyle in that last segment, let's move on to the NBA, where we can eviscerate him more. So, <laughs> <laughs> So... It's almost the end of the year in the NBA. We have six, maybe seven games left for each team. And so we can't really talk about the playoffs yet. And when we come back for our next pod, we'll be talking about that. So I figured for this one, we would hand out our end of the year awards a few games early. And hopefully the next six games don't sway our minds. So let's start off with the all-NBA teams. Three all-NBA teams, you get two guards, two forwards, and a center for each. I want to go through this first, just so our listeners have some context on the games missed for some of the most significant players for this discussion, because it is I looked this up as well. Yeah. So here we go. Just pour my second Marg. Marg, not even beers. <laughs> no, I That's told you, Cinco de Mayo. All... We're going, we're going Margs all day. <laughs> That's why he's going off about Aaron Rodgers. The man is, <laughs> is pissed. <laughs> okay. So you ready for this? Anthony Davis has missed 35 games. Kevin Durant, 33. James Harden will be 30 if he misses the rest of the games, which seems highly likely. LeBron James, 24, if he misses the next two, which James it was Harden reported he will. Jimmy Butler, 18. Kawhi Leonard, 18. Kyrie Irving, 17. Joel Embiid, I forgot to mention, 19. We all know. Paul George, 16. Giannis, 12. And then it goes down and down from there. Everyone's missed a couple games except for Randall and Yo- Randall and Gobert and CP3 have missed one. And Jokic has missed zero. Our boy, Big Honey, baby. He shows up. He punches in. He plays his game. He punches out. That's what you love to see. So the real hard part, I think, for this, for me, was like, okay, if you want your all-NBA player not to miss 20 games, well, that's kind of unrealistic this year, right? So mm-hmm. personally, I put my cutoff at 25 which seemed reasonable to me because in a regular season, that's like 55 to 57 games that they missed or that they played. So I don't know. It was kind of arbitrary. It's kind of hard to deal with, but there's, it's, it does seem like this year more than others, there's been significant all NBA level players missing tons of games. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that is a big factor for me and I'm and sure we'll have some disagreement on on some of those players. Um, I didn't really know how to factor it in. I'll be honest. I, <laughs> so kind of what I did was I, like I said, my cutoff was 25. So I did not include Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant or James Harden. That's just what I did. But I, I mean, I won't argue if you do include them, you know, I mean, you gotta have a cutoff. I think Durant is gotta be off the list. I mean, he played 29 games, I think 
like if Durant's off the season. list, then AD's got to be off the list because he missed even more. Exactly. So I think those two. I mean, you've got to have a cutoff somewhere, right? Right. You can't say, well, if he had played, he would have been good. Then we're like, might as well put Durant in for last year too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Torn Achilles, I still take him over half the league. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would have, right? But so yeah, it's got to be think, somewhere. I think Harden and LeBron are right on that cost because. Harden and LeBron are both at like 24, 25 right now. And but that's where my is, heartstrings were torn on that. Well, side. the, yeah, the added thing on that is he played eight games for Houston when he wasn't trying and still put up numbers. Wasn't producing like an all NBA player. So he was producing like right. an all NBA player. <laughs> oh my God. Is that an echo or is that just Kyle disagreeing <laughs> that you say? So really Harden has played 34 games with Brooklyn, which is barely more than half the year. So he's not on my list. Yeah. I discounted Harden, AD and KD and kept LeBron in, but we'll see how many games LeBron misses over these last, you know, he's already played to miss the next two. If he misses the rest of them, I might have to take him off, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but let's just go over them now that we have that caveat. So first team, here's what I have. You guys ready? I got Steph. I got Luke in a second guard. I have Giannis, I have LeBron, and I have Jokic. My reasoning for having LeBron first team, you know, after we talked about those games missed, is kind of when I have a tiebreaker, with all BA at least, I'm just kind of like, okay, who do I know is the better player? So that's kind of why I bumped Randall down and Kawhi and PG and gave LeBron that spot. But I don't have a quibble with if you put another forward in there. Yeah. I put Harden on my first team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've been new. We've been new. That's what he was going to do. I mean, it, you know me. I wasn't not going to put him first team after seeing what he did when he played. So um, who did you bomb off back? Him? He's coming back on Monday, too, by the way. Um, uh, I bumped Luca down to wow. 17. I would have yeah. almost put Luca forward if I was doing yours. I didn't know if I could do that. If I, I think he qualifies for both. Well, that makes it different then. Yeah. Because I would have put him at a forward then and moved Julius Randle down. Uh, so I had Steph, Harden, Giannis, Randle, and Jokic. Mm-hmm. Randle I had a tough time with, but, you know, just based on everything that he has done for the Knicks this year, I just – I couldn't overlook that. You know, he's obviously the, the most improved player of the year and. He's putting up the best numbers of his career. The Knicks are the best that they've been in God knows how long. And a lot of that, if, you know, probably 75% of it has to do with the way that Julius Randle's been playing. Yeah, we'll talk about him more and most improved player, I'm sure. But he made one of my teams as well. Spoilers. Seth, who's your first team? So a couple, couple different names in there. Um, we all agree on Steph, Giannis, and Jokic. Yeah, I feel like those are the locks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hard locks, not even and, soft locks. Yeah. And then my second guard is Dane. Um, I gave him the edge over Luca. I think mean, we've talked about this before, but I just think the way that he kept Portland afloat with all the injuries that they've had. And um I don't know, Luca complains a little bit too much for me. So couldn't you say that Luca did the same thing, basically? I mean, KP's been out half the year, and Kleba's been out half the year, and he, his team's better than the, than Portland. I mean, by game, so who really cares? But. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's – who's to say uh, who's really better? 
between those two teams. Um, and yeah, I think obviously it's it's kind of splitting hairs. Probably just personal preference at this point. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I have Kawhi in as my second forward, mostly because he's played like four more games than LeBron, and well, that'll number will go up as LeBron misses a few more games, I'd imagine. And with him and Randall, I just think Kawhi is better. So that was the tiebreaker. I thought about Kawhi because he's closer to LeBron and that which player do I know is better thing. I was like, ah, six games probably by the end of the year difference. Do I really care about that? And I said, no, I don't. Understood. But also me and LeBron have a deep personal relationship, which you would never have with him because you've denounced him since he moved to the Lakers. He denounced me, yes. I tried to pop Kawhi and Randall multiple times. Yeah. All right. Well, it sounds like we're all on the same page on that then. Second team, here's what I have. This one might surprise you. I have CP3, Chris Paul, in the guard spot. What? Why does that surprise you? I, Kyle didn't even have him on any of the teams, which I was surprised I by. I didn't know who to leave off. <laughs> I think he's definitely deserving the second in spot. <laughs> <laughs> I have Chris Paul. I have Dame. Uh, I have Kawhi at the forward, Paul George at the other forward, and Embiid at center. It's really a shame that we can't put Embiid on the first team because don't you feel like he's one of the five best players this year? I mean, he's going to get second in MVP. So they really need to do away with these positions for all NBA. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's the exercise is not pick the top five players. So that's why they have the positions because that's not what they're asking us. So. I guess it is kind of nice to think, like, could this team play in real life? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we have the same top ten then? So I have Luca, CP3, Randall, LeBron, and Embiid. Uh, just switch Randall and Paul George, and then we have the same top ten. Okay. Um, I felt like this year um, there were – a top tier of guards, Steph, Luca, and Dame. And, and then for me, CP3 was in a tier by himself and definitively the fourth guy. And then the argument started with the next set of guards with like Mitchell, Kyrie, Booker, Beal, all those guys. Yeah, if you're just counting Harden because the game is played, that's pretty yeah. much the order I would have too. Um yeah, I agree with that. Kyle, who do you have on your second team? Luca, Dame. I had LeBron with a question mark. Because <laughs> uh, of games played, yeah. But I couldn't leave him off if I have James Harden on there. Right. So, Same uh, amount of games, really. Yeah. Kawhi and Embiid. I really definitely overlooked Chris Paul in all of these, by the way. <laughs> I didn't think about him. <laughs> yeah, I feel like statistically it's interesting, right? Because he definitely he's... deserves to be on one of the three all-NBA teams, and I just didn't put them there. because The Suns are just, like, quietly, so quietly, one of the best – or the best team in the league. I know. I don't Isn't know. it crazy? Because yeah. coming into this year, it was, like – I had them eighth, I think. We're all, like, they're going to make the playoffs, but maybe, like, a lower seed. I think Seth might have them highest at, like, four or five. And they're, they're gonna, they might be the best team in the league by the end of the year. And it's, like, that's the Chris Paul effect, right? You take a team that's on the bubble, literally had a great bubble performance and nearly made the playoffs. And this year they're the best team in the league. I mean, 
what this man is doing at his final old age is really astounding. Hat tip to Monty too. For sure. Yeah. I mean, what they've done has been awesome. I don't really feel like it's quiet anymore. I, but maybe it's just like who you're paying attention to. I feel like I've listened to a lot of podcasts the last month where they're like, no one's talking about the Suns. They're, they're really good. And it's like, once enough people say no one's talking about them, then like, well, I think the thing is that like, we still don't really view the Suns or the Jazz as the favorites to make the finals, despite them having the best records in the league. That's the difference. Right? You, know, you think they're a, I think they have just as good a chance as any other team in the West. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think the consensus would be, right, that the Lakers and the Clippers are still the favorites. Yeah. So that's probably I why think that's the consensus. Like but, I mean, I sleep on them every night under my pillow. So. <laughs> the Lakers to win the Western Conference are plus 250. The Clippers are plus 260. The Jazz are plus 260. And then the Suns are plus 650 to win the West. <laughs> Wow. I might bet that today. That. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Them in Denver. Denver's plus 1,300. I get they have a lot yeah. of injuries, but, but you still. got a killer in Jokic. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're just talking about on our Discord about who we would take to win a playoff game if our life depended on it. And I think Jokic has moved into that top tier that we're talking about with the with the LeBrons, the Kawhis, and the, uh, KDs, of the and the KDs of the world. Yeah, I think those four are the ones I would choose from. And I would choose LeBron. <laughs> never. LeBron's but. passes can never look as sweet as Big Honey's. <laughs> All right. So third team I have Kyrie, Donnie Mitchell, Julius Randle, Zion, and Gobert. Say that again. I will not. Ky- Thank you for asking. Kyrie and Mitchell, you said? Kyrie and Mitchell at guard, Randall and Zion at the forward, and the Gobert center. Okay, yeah. The, the question sense. for me was um, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Um, he was tough, too. So, yeah. I think I'm putting him in there. I think it's a question of uh, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Tatum as kind of that last forward spot for me. Well, you can put I had Zion in there already. You can put Jimmy in as a guard if you want. Yeah. Like, and I would almost so, put him in over Mitchell, maybe. I don't know. It's so hard. So, you know, I, I don't think I can. Yeah. Yeah. Any of those, they're all right there in that same kind of. I, I think I'd like Mitchell in there. Um and having two jazz guys, if they're going to be one of the best teams in the league, right? seems fair to have two in the yeah in third team. And, you know, Kyrie's missed some time, but he's actually played more games than I thought after I looked at it. I agree. So, and then I think I just give the edge to Jimmy, um, the way he's kept the heat afloat, right? Like I said about Dame, I think that's been more impressive than uh, – so- what Tatum's done this season so, and PG to be clear who, who is on your third team. So Mitchell, Kyrie, Zion, Jimmy, Gobert. I think it's, I think it's a little criminally Paul George out only because 
it feels like maybe, I don't know, he's missed a lot of games too, but it does feel like lately he's been keeping the Clippers afloat while Kawhi hasn't played nearly at all. And the Clippers have been one of the best teams after the all-star break. I mean, yeah, they have been. And, you know, he's averaging his, his classic. He's at 24, six and five, 47, 42, 87. Do you feel like we don't talk about Paul George enough as like an elite shooter, like one of the best shooters in the no, league? No, we definitely don't because of we're, we're jaded by his performance last year, <laughs> especially Playoff in the playoffs. P. Yeah. Pandemic P. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I, I don't know. I just feel like he's better than Jimmy Butler. Maybe he's not, though. I don't know. I think they're very close. It's very tough between Jimmy Tatum and Paul George, right? Definitely. I left off Jimmy. Um, it was a tough, tough to leave leave him, but um, I went Kyrie Mitchell after we've talked. I have Zion. I was thinking that would either be KD or Jimmy as well. I don't think I could put KD in, but yeah, again. I also shouldn't have Harden in there, but I just couldn't not put him in. <laughs> I mean, KD is <laughs> you know, a significant me. amount more than Harden. Yeah. So that's reasonable if you're including uh, games. I had Paul George as well. And, you know, I stick to my morals. Fuck Gobert. I put Bam Adebayo in there just because I hate Rudy Gobert. It's honestly not that. I mean, Bam's <laughs> having a great season. I had my, my honorable mentions that were my hardest to leave off were Butler, Bam, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. Interesting that none of us even mentioned Beal when he's leading. He could end up leading the league in scoring. If I were to I re- him. redo this without any bias, I would definitely take Harden off, take Bam off. <laughs> redo my entire team. No, I would. I would take those two off. I, CP3 would be in there, and you know, I guess I'd have to put Gobert in, but I feel like that's just like you know. Uh, Kyle, without any following bias, the... is not something that my brain can comprehend. I don't exactly. So that's why I don't those it. words. No, don't neither can our listeners. So, <laughs> Also, I was looking for this stat, and I just found it. Talk about how Paul George is one of the most elite shooters in the NBA. It says, out of 20, this is from the ringer, out of 28 players this season attempting at least seven three-pointers per game, Steph, Steph Curry is first in accuracy. We could all expect that. And then Paul George is second. So we don't really talk about Paul George as the second best high volume shooter in the league behind Steph Curry, but that's really what he is. Yeah, he, he is. I remember it when he had that career year with OKC, he was basically like the same stats as Kevin Durant, um, who we think of as like the next best shooter after Steph. Right. Um, so I think you're probably right. I think based on what he does, uh, has done this season, he deserves to be all NBA. Um, and I'm probably suffering from some of that bias where you watch in the playoffs and it's like, unquestionably, you'd rather have Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. That is the thing, right? If you go so, by my thing of who's better, it's like, it's almost like I'd rather have Paul George in the regular season and Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. If I could just switch them off. <laughs> yeah. But also a regular season award. So, right. What if I told you there's a player that's shooting 50, 50, 100, and he's not even talked about for the all NBA team. <laughs> Tony Snell. <laughs> Dude, I told you guys, he's a chance at the first 50-50-100 in league history. <laughs> he still hasn't missed a free throw? No. No. I mean, he's taking like eight, but still impressive. Yeah. <laughs> also, we must at least... He's attempting point three free throws per game. 
<laughs> we must at least mention Russell Westbrook, who didn't make any of our lists or even my honorable mentions, and yet is averaging a triple-double for his fourth straight season at 22-11-11. But by now, we're all like, ah, what the – who gives a fuck? <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I, I give a fuck because he's on my fantasy team. So I'm loving True. it there. Um, he has another triple-double yeah, tonight for you. Yep. Kirk Goldsbury had a good piece about him and how he – really is an elite playmaker and and statistically and if you look at the advanced stats of how he creates offense and gives uh you know provides shots to his teammates he's really good and then when he shoots himself it's very inefficient and not a smart decision so it's like if he could just almost move into the draymond role where he takes like six shots a game or something yeah, and just do. sets up everybody else. I think, especially with Bradley Beal on your team, let him take 35 shots a game. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's what he did. Uh, the other night when he had, ago? yeah, he had a, when he had the Barbara, double, with he had the Barbara. Rebounds. Yeah. Barbara, no yeah. points. Astounding. He's at, he's, he's at a 40, 30, 60 for the season. <laughs> yeah. 40, 30, 60. Yeah. Not, uh, not a club you want to be in. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike 50 50 100 who has one member just tony snell smoking a cigar like in the lounge. <laughs> all right let's quickly hit our end of the year awards and get out of here i think we're gonna have consensus on a lot of these so let's really hit him quickly mvp Jokic is the favorite and will win and as he will win in all of our hearts as well uh let's just take a minute to gush about him though 26 11 and 9 this year 56 41 86 splits 31 pr which i just looked up which that's kind of what you want from your MVP. Uh, I mean, what can you say about the man? He, I think he's probably my favorite player the, in the league to watch besides LeBron. And he just has a special place in my heart. And I'm just really happy for him that he's giving an MVP. Should also mention, essentially the first second rounder ever to win an MVP. Now, Willis Reed was the first, but he was like the 11th overall pick or something in the second round. So, <laughs> so this is going to be historic as well. Nice. I didn't know that actually. Um, and yeah, definitely a deserving MVP year. Uh, he's been amazing, taking a step up offensively and gotten better defensively as well. So he's really not like a minus on the defensive end, like he has been in, in years past. And um, obviously a unique player and a unique personality in the league as well. So we love to see it. Been waiting, been waiting for this day. We knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen, right? The crazy thing is he started off the season at 20 to one to win MVP. We talked about it at the beginning of the year. Did we bet it? No. Didn't bet Not on a it. chance. <laughs> he made it in December. He made it all the way to like 25 to one odds. Wow. He's now, he's now minus 2,000. Yeah. I mean – that's the thing. We've had these players in and out of the MVP conversation, a lot of injuries, and the one steady thing is Jokic, right? Man hasn't missed a game, a game in this season. I mean, I just listed all those players that listed that he's, missed, you know, all those games. He's had considerably less number of cuts on his arms this year, too. I don't know if yeah. you noticed that. <laughs> the games do not stop for him to get, <laughs> get cuts fixed nearly as much this year. That has nothing to do with anything, but I don't know. I think that's really an observation. Uh, defensive player of the year. I think we're all going to agree on this, but it's not going to be who's actually going to win in real life. 
we're all going to say Ben Simmons and Rudy Gobert is going to win in real life, right? I mean, Ben Simmons said it best himself. If Ben Simmons, who's not a scorer, can score 40-something points on a player, is that player really defensive player of the year? Yeah, he scored 42 on Gobert. And we've hammered this a lot of times, so I won't go too far into it. But I like my defensive player of the year to be able to defend more than the rim and to be able to defend on the wing. And, I mean, we've seen – Ben Simmons lock up everyone from, from Dame to LeBron to Zion, right? So, I mean, it doesn't matter the size or shape of the person he's defending. He's going to lock him down. Yeah, it's much easier yeah, to defend, defend, you know, a 10-foot zone than it is to defend the full court. So, Right. Seth, you were saying you're on board? I also had the I'm note with fuck Gobert in my ranking or in my uh, defensive player of the so, year. <laughs> Kyle would never let you say if you agree, though. He just wants to get no. one more Gobert thing in. <laughs> I'm on board with Simmons as Defensive Player of the Year, um, and I like the premise overall. And I think that even if Gobert is not the very best defensive player in the league, he still adds tremendous amount of value to your team. So Yeah, I mean, any reasonable person would say that. But right. we have an unreasonable person on my far right here on Zoom. I don't know how you're referring to it because, like, if if I'm in your shoes looking at me at the screen, Seth is on your right, so. Exactly. So who could I have been talking about? Uh, rookie of the year, Lamelo is going to win it and should win it. 16-6-6, and 45-37-97 splits. 97, sorry, I meant to say 79 for the free throws. I think the one thing for me with Lamelo that I've been surprised by is his shooting, right? He's been an above-average three-point shooter, and become a pretty good finisher. And that's just not – I knew the lead passing was there, but that's kind of what I'm impressed with, you know? Definitely. That's been the surprise. I think the only question with him was games played, but since he made yeah. a return to the season, I think he'll he'll get to that number necessary to win the award. Charlotte is honestly one of my favorite teams now. They're like my pet team that I drag along behind me, and I think they will be for years. I love Miles. I love PJ. I love LaMelo. They're just really fun to watch. It's true. I mean, Miles has some of the best in-game dunks we've ever seen. So yeah, yeah, for real. All within like the last month, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, most improved player. We hit on him a little bit earlier. I think Julius Randle is going to win it, and that's who I have here. Um, Twenty-four, ten, and six this year, up from twenty, ten, and three last year. So you see a big jump in points and and assists there. On 46, 43, 81 splits this year, 43% from three this year. Last year, he was at 28% from three. So you can see here the biggest jumps are basically in assists and a three-point percentage. And I kind of like that for my most improved player, someone who is already good, right, but makes a leap in a few categories to become great. All-NBA level, right? We all had had him on our All-NBA team. It's so that's crazy cool. too how confident he is with this three point shot now. Like, yeah, he'll just he'll dribble and take a spot up three in someone's face with no hesitation, and he would have never done that in the past. Yeah, and it's unlocked a lot of those assists for him too. I think, and defensively, he's improved too, right, Seth? That's not something I didn't mention with those stats, but he he seems to be giving it on the, that end as well. 
yeah, I'm, I mean, who knows if how much that's Tibbs, but either way, he's making it happen on the court. And I think I'm with you. We talked about this last year. Last year, I voted for Luca as my most improved. And I think he didn't win because he had already been good the year before. But I think that's the most challenging thing to do in the NBA when we have so much talent uh, is to jump from good to great. And so Randall made that leap um, into, you know, top 10, 15. And, um, you know, I think the only other, there aren't really many other good candidates for making that good to great jump. You know, yeah. you could say like Joel Embiid because right. he put it all together, but I don't know. He went from like 10 to seven or something. Um, so I think just the, the huge leap that Randall made and, He's all around. His entire game is transformed. I think he'll be the no-brainer pick. Yeah, definitely. Um, these last two we might disagree on. I'm not sure. For six man of the year, <clears throat> I think this guy is going to win it. But I, I said Jordan Clarkson, my son, who I birthed myself out of my own body earlier this year when I picked him up off waivers on our, in our fantasy league. And <laughs> averaging a 17-4-2 and two, um, for the – for the Jazz, you know, his teammate Joe Ingles has a good case as well. And I think they might finish one too, which why does that keep happening with these six men? It's like one of them is obviously the seventh man. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. I put Clarkson because I just think he, he has cooled off a bit, but I think what he does is very valuable for them. It kind of like fits the exact need that they needed off the bench just to that scoring spike. Do you guys agree with, with Clarkson there for six men? I had Clarkson. Yeah, so I think Seth uh, disagreed. I, I'm going to assume he had him second, but definitely had Clarkson myself. Yeah, I, I'm saying Ingles because of the efficiency and he's on pace, I think, to set a record for effective shooting percentage. Um, and Clarkson is just – he does fulfill that need, and he's obviously not afraid to shoot. He scores a lot, but – I think what Ingles does um, and and playmaking a bit more than Clarkson as well is a little bit more unique and a little bit more what I look for in a player. Um, but I think Clarkson fits the mold more for that like type of player that has traditionally won the six-man award. So I think he'll win it. Ingles shooting 50, 47, 84. And Tony Snell says to that, got to be better than that. <laughs> embarrassing that he's not even at 50 percent for three uh coach of the year i think monty williams is going to win for the Suns. i have a different pick personally what do you guys think i too have a different pick seth had monty though seth you have monty yeah i mean i guess i don't always like this trend where it's like whichever team has the best record like gets coach of the year it's not like that every single year, obviously, but I think um, they he should get at least some of the credit for leading the Suns to this huge jump in the standings. And I think it's a little bit like, yeah, he got Chris Paul on his team, but that's not the coach's fault. Like, you still got to do what you got to do and and bring the team into cohesion and go along with, you know, figure out a plan that works and empower Chris Paul to do his thing. So 
I don't know. I think he should get a lot of credit and obviously Tibbs is a great candidate as well. Um, and it's one of those, like, how do you ever decide uh, how much credit goes to the coach versus the players, right? It's kind of, yeah. if you're not in the locker room, it's really hard to say. Well, for me, it was kind of like, I agree that Monty is a lot of, there's a lot of the credit, but when you get a player like Chris Paul, that's definitely going to raise your floor as well. Um, and Tom Thibodeau was, is my winner in my heart. And he took a team, basically the same team. Last year, I looked it up. They had a 318 winning percentage. This year, up to 569. Last year, they were literally 24 games below 500. 24 games below 500. This year, they're nine games above 500. And obviously, they didn't add a player like CP3. So I think Bonnie would be a deserving winner as well. But I like the, the Tibbs argument a little more. Yeah, I'm with you with Tibbs. He turned, uh, I mean, a bottom of the barrel team around with, like you said, basically the same core players. What there was a few additions. They added Derek Rose late in the season, um, who's been huge for them. But he, he turned a team around that couldn't, didn't look like they had any aptitude to compete last year um, to – uh, a very good team so far. And I think now it's going to, they're going to be an extremely attractive free agency destination, obviously, you know, being in New York, the Knicks, the history there, no free agents have wanted to go there. What since Carmelo, essentially, that was their yeah. biggest get. Um, yeah. But now I think it's one of those destinations because of the way Tibbs has turned the whole organization around. Yeah. It's funny. I think these are both deserving candidates because when you think about the beginning of the season, like I said, we all had the Phoenix as a low playoff seed and they're going to be the best team in the league. And none of us had the Knicks even making the playoffs and they're going to be the four seed maybe. So, you know, that really shows you what those two coaches have done and exceeding our expectations by a long shot, right? Yeah, I think that's really all you can go off of for coach of the year is which teams exceeded expectations the most. So it makes right. sense that those are our top two. Well, we did it. NFL, NBA, that's what you come here for. Hopefully. Everyone satisfied? Listeners? Is that too satisfied? Snickers commercial. <laughs> Any final thoughts, boys? Resounding silence. <laughs> uh, what do you guys what do you guys think of the Nuggets chances now? with all these injuries, obviously we've had the Jamal injury, but over like the last two weeks, Monte Morris and then PJ Dozier and Will Barton. I think I'm so high on them personally, but I think if they play the Lakers, I expect them to lose in the first round. If they play the Mavericks, I think they have about 50, 50 chance of winning that series. If they play the Clippers, maybe slightly less of a chance. So I think a lot of it depends on their matchup. You have a 50-50 chance against Dallas if they play them in the first round? You're right. That's – I don't believe that. They have a very good chance in that series. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I still think that they could beat the Lakers in the first round if they played them. Who knows how LeBron's going to come back. I mean, he came back and re-injured his ankle, so. Right. Uh, <clears throat> right, that does worry me. But if the Lakers are at full strength – I just think that, you know, the one thing you need against Jokic is a player that can defend him one-on-one so you don't have to double, right? Because as we know, he's lethal 
one year double. I heard a stat on a podcast that he it's 1.4 points per possession when he's doubled in the post. That's yeah. like the best number of any kind of offense you try to run in the league. So you can't double him. You need a player that can defend him one on one. And Anthony Davis was made in a lab to do that, right? So maybe. I think it's a tough matchup for the Nuggets. I would, I wouldn't expect them to win against the Lakers, but they got a good shot against anyone else. I'd say. I think a good, good thing for them. Monte Morris is supposed to be back here within the next week. I think. Um, I didn't see how long PJ Dozier's out for, but uh, I mean, MPJ has mm. had quite the ascension um, this season. Kind of took that leap that everyone was hoping for and kind of expecting him offensively. I mean, he's still not the best defender by any means, but he's definitely been much better, I feel like, on that end of the floor this year, considering what he looked like last year when he was out there. I mean, at one point before they lost to the Lakers, they were 9-1 and one since Jamal went out, and Michael Porter was averaging like 26, 27 points on 57% from the field and mm-hmm. over 50% from three. I mean, that's all what we hoped he could be, right? But it was nice to see him step up into that role so seamlessly. Yeah, and it's – I could see the argument where Jamal being so hot and cold, it's like at least we're not going to have any of those seven for 25 games where it's really hard to overcome that for the Nuggets when Jamal's having – you know, that much usage and, and just is having a cold night. And so if you take away those games, obviously you don't get as hot games either, but I kind of think they can piece together that offense if Porter Jr. is playing this well. So it's, I don't know. It's obviously your first instinct is to say, all right, Jamal Murray went out. Like they're at least they're not a contender for the championship this year, but I wouldn't put anything past Jokic at this point. So yeah. I mean, I would pick them against the Blazers, the Mavericks. I don't know if I would pick them against the Clippers, and I definitely think the Lakers would beat them. So I think a lot of it depends on who they land in the first round. They're not going to play the Clippers in the first round, though. There's, like, no chance of that happening. Yeah, I see that, right, because they're going to be three or four either either way, right? Yeah, so we don't have to worry about that. I read an interesting article I sent it to you, Sam, but uh, Malone is really interesting. He's like one of the coaches that's um, most willing to adjust like his defensive scheme um, by, by like opponent. So a lot of teams go into the playoffs with like the same mentality and same defensive mindset and sets that they run in the regular season. And obviously we know the postseason is not anything, anything like the regular season. So that's just another thing too, to have a coach that's so willing to adjust on the fly based on, you know, opponent from game one opposed to going in and being, you know, I mean, we did see it last year, right. Going down a couple games. Um, but just that willingness to adjust on defense, I feel like that's a huge uh, advantage for them too. And the addition of Aaron Gordon still has been, you know, huge in that aspect too i think it gives them some more opportunities we have to make it back kyle if, if the nuggets end up playing the lakers because it sounds like that's where we differ the most because yeah, like, even yeah, though you said the that they're going to win three straight championships so that he meet he 
get six like Jordan. You've already recanted that and now say they're well, not going to Well, LeBron and AD year. both had – We all injuries. knew you'd come on the bandwagon, you'd get off at the first stop, and here you are. They had major injuries this year. Yeah, I know. And the Nuggets – or not the Nuggets, the uh, the Nets actually landed Harden, so I had to recant at that point. It's whatever the hottest take available is. That's the one he snatches up. I like him scalding. And then he, he switches bandwagons before he's proven wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll bet anything. <laughs> I bet my takes. I'm not, I don't shy away. You don't bet your goals. takes. You didn't vote, you didn't bet on Jokic MVP and you wouldn't bet the Nuggets to win the championship, even though I pestered you week after week to, to I bet to the Nuggets it. to win the championship. Yeah, no, I just now. To, I bet them to win the West, actually. Yeah, it took you long enough. Did you do it? No. Yeah, maybe I did. You don't know. No, you didn't. No, I deleted the gambling sites. You know that. All right. Well, Kyle, why don't you send us off? Because the listeners are probably asleep by now. Um, so on the third day, Jokic won his MVP again. Yeah. Again? <laughs> yeah.